Hello, hi everyone. This is Jackie Janik, women's empowerment coach, helping women uncover their purpose and define their own path in the world. And today you are watching Beyond Small Talk. Real women, real conversations, elevating womankind one talk at a time. And I'm so, so happy that you're here joining us every Thursday, four o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Instagram Live with me, Jackie Janik, and my co-host today, her name is, she's a repeat offender. She's back from episode number seven, Health and Your Lady Parts. So this is Health and Your Lady Parts, part two. Her name is Betsy Cox at Betsy Cox Health. Betsy is a health coach. She's a culinary educator, wanderer, and she's Betsy Cox is here to help you reach optimal wellness and vitality through holistic nutrition and lifestyle strategies that are easy, effective, and fun. And last time from Health and Your Lady Parts, we received a lot of great questions as well as just concerns that people felt like they didn't, women felt like, oh my God, I'm glad I hear that's typical or normal. And there is no necessarily normal in the world of Health and Your Lady Parts. So we're here with Betsy to go deeper into what we need to know as women around our health and our lady parts. So Betsy's on, so let's get her to join. And if you have any questions, type them in. Don't be shy. There's nothing that's TMI that we haven't heard. Right, Betsy? Hey, Betsy. Hi. I just got on, so I didn't hear what you said prior, but I could tell you were passionate about what you were saying, Jackie. <laughs> Thank you. I introduced you. I welcomed everyone that this is your repeat offender on Beyond Small Talk. We're doing part two of health and your lady parts because we got such a great response and that women actually felt like comfortable hearing like, oh, I'm normal, which we know there's no exact normal. But I think it was, and we both feel that this is a message that needs to get out there to women and there's no reason to be shy about it or not to go into these types of conversation so I was like we're going in round two and let's go in deeper and get more clarity around you know what women need to hear and to know and to educate ourselves about our body um, our health to reach optimal health and you know it all goes back to our leaderboard yep absolutely <laughs> Well, I'm really glad that, you know, the people that your audience found it helpful. Um, I'm excited to bring some new tips today and to just kind of go over some of the things that we talked about sort of um, a few days ago around what normal is. So we're all going to go through this, God willing, um, and be able to transition through this while we continue to work on our optimal health. I think... Um, some confusion comes in when we think about what's normal, what isn't normal, and what are the ranges of normal. Everyone's unique. So what I did try and bring to the foreground um, last two weeks ago was this idea that if there are aspects of your health that you feel are taking a hit, and sleep is a really big one, um, then whether it's normal or not, whether we all have hot flashes or not, at night or not, you're going to want to address that. So there's normal and there's, yes, there's definitely a comfort in understanding that other people are sharing an experience with you and going through this right along with you. 
but then it's up to you to really be able to evaluate what you feel your health and wellness can tolerate and what it can't. Some people, you know, are not going to be as bothered or it's not going to be such a big hit to them. If they have a few sleepless nights, they can still function. I don't recommend that for anybody. I certainly don't recommend it for any of my clients. I think it's sleep is so important for detoxification, but you know, if you're bothered by a few hot flashes during the day, for example, I mean, I live in Florida, so if I'm sweating, no one's really looking at me like, hey, that's weird. It's January. <laughs> it's hot down here. So I'm not going to stand out that much. I only have a few of these once in a while. So it's not really that big of a life disruptor. But so I want the ladies that are listening today to really think about you know, what are the symptoms that I have that are consistent with perimenopause? Now I know that they are consistent with perimenopause, but how much are they impacting my quality of life? And how much could they potentially be triggering like a cascade of health and wellness challenges from there? So that's what you don't want to have happen. So it sounds like... Yeah, so just to, you know, recap, uh, it sounds like taking a self-assessment. So, for yeah. example, for me, I'll put myself out there. You know, after 40, I started realizing I've always paid attention to my period. And to be completely honest out there, in my 20s, I tried not to get my pregnant. In my 30s, I tried to, sure. to get pregnant. And now in my 40s, <laughs> I'm like, whatever, how can you get pregnant in your 40s? But I know it happens. Oh, I know it can. It can and it will for people who want. Um I just left that up there. But I noticed because I was so aware of my period and how it affected me, the time length, the heaviness, et cetera, that I knew in my 40s when it started to go what I call awry in a really bad direction, it's because I knew what it was and I kept track of it. So that's what I'm doing now. So I guess the first step is really um, being self-aware and taking a self-assessment. Like, has your cycle changed? How's your mood changed? Like, now I do get night sweats. Even with the AC on, I'm sweating. Where I'm like, yeah, that's a little weird. My cramping is extreme. My mood swings is like over the top. Um, that's oh, probably, oh, they're bad. I'm on the brink with mood swings. So, but, but the thing is, I'm aware, I'm aware, I'm aware, I'm aware. So that's step one. So now what could be, what's our next step? One is self-awareness. So I encourage everyone out there, start tracking yourself now, like monitor, right? How do I feel yes. on certain days? What did I eat? Did I sleep? Is my period coming? Am I ovulating? Did, right? Is those the kind of things we should oh, yeah. note? Yeah. And I always, I know that's not sexy. I know it's not interesting, but you can get so much insight. You think you're going to remember, oh, I'll remember I had my period on, you know, my cousin's uh, birthday. And then three months from now, first of all, short-term memory is impacted during, <laughs> during perimenopause. You're going to be like, wait, I forgot. So definitely track. And um, that'll help you kind of, yes, absolutely gain and um, gain insight, you know, raise awareness around what you're experiencing. And I think what we can talk about today, really mm -hmm. in terms of providing some relief for women, which is what they're really after. Let's talk about that. You know, like you can journal until you're blue in the face, but if, it, if you don't know what to do next, um, then you're in a little bit of trouble. So 
I want to discuss with you, Jackie, my beloved dear friend, the notion that you, along with most other women that are in perimenopause, are estrogen dominant at this time of life. I also want to go back a little bit and share with you and any of your other listeners that are not interested in getting pregnant, that in your mid to late 40s, it is a very, um, it's not an uncommon thing to get pregnant because the body is really like on the gas with estrogen. Our bodies, you know, this hormone balance, this soup that we have of progesterone, testosterone, and estrogen, they try and um, create a balance in and among themselves in this kind of insular soup dance, whatever you want to call it. Um, But if the body is kind of sluggish on estrogen, what will happen is it'll really pump the gas. And so in perimenopause, this is one of the reasons why women are are estrogen dominant and have a lot of the symptoms that you just described. And that is because the body is pumping out estrogen, (laughs) like at record speed. And so it's not uncommon at all for women in their mid to late 40s to get pregnant when they just did not even think this was a possibility and they thought that you know estrogen was kind of winding down that isn't the case right now the body goes ball to the wall and then really it's just kind of out of gas at the end if you know if we're making just sort of really big um kind of sweeping strokes on this topic But one of the things that all women, every woman that is going through perimenopause is um, very likely experiencing symptoms of estrogen dominance. And this is a reason why. Got it. Go back real quick. Like when can people start noticing if they do get into this perimenopausal state? And I know it's not linked to an exact age, but just to recap, like, so you know that if these symptoms come up, it could be perimenopausal if you're around this time of your life, like before 40, 40. Yeah, I mean, so early people that are going through early perimenopause start around 35. Those are the people that, you know, tend to get in early and get out early. (laughs) And then, you know, some people don't really notice anything. Some people really don't notice anything. And then other people, and those people tend to be um, people that wouldn't notice things anyway. So I have Mm. found that in my practice that these are the same people that, um, you know, may not be aware that they have um, rising blood sugar, that they may have arthritis, they may have like inflammatory issues, but they're not very body aware to begin with. And this isn't a criticism. This is just a state of mind. Mm -hmm. So um, lots of times people are not necessarily bothered because they aren't very in tune with their body. Um, That's not the case, but that can happen. Um, So your question was, you know, I think what you were asking was, how do I know what's normal within that? And is yeah. this just at PMS or is this perimenopause? Mm-hmm. I don't think it really matters because bad PMS at any age is something that is evidence of estrogen dominance. So if you have this at 25, you are estrogen dominant. It is really consistent and parallel with this time in life which is why so many women have trouble with this time because they were okay in their 20s. They were like, you know, I had like 
a bad period, maybe once or twice a year. I would get grumpy, but I would have a Snickers bar and then I'd be okay, or a glass of wine or sex or, you know, whatever. I'd be able to like treat it with some things that, you know, are kind of within our toolbox that don't really throw you off your game or Tylenol or Motrin, something like that. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a life disruptor, but now, now it, that, that story can change. And, um, and I think what people happens, call it a life disruptor. I think that's a really good um, indicator for someone. So that, that was an excellent term, life disruptor. So now, like, with some of my mood swings, I feel like it can be a life disruptor. Like, I, okay. well, I'm also aware of it, so I make sure I don't talk to certain people. <laughs> I hide out in an office. I now my husband is like I'm gonna track it this time because like it's like things will just set me off and but that's not who I really am but just during that time I just know and and besides the point is that physically it's like over the top on the quantity of the masses of like that come out is PMI to a lot yeah. of people if this, if you experience this and for your first time, all of a sudden having to change tampons every hour, you're like, am I dying? Like, what is going on with my body? Especially for someone like me who 2030s was a breeze. Like my period was yeah. like no problem. And then all of a sudden yeah. in my 40s, it's like, I called it homicide where I'm like, holy cow, what is going on? And also just yeah. a side note, um, do not buy cheap tampons because like, it's not worth it. Anyway, that's just a side note splurge on your tampons like get good ones i like that splurge on your tampons that's good jackie i'm gonna take that <laughs> well um yeah so i again i think going back to how much is your life disrupted do you need to know you're in perimenopause you are do you need to know you're alive and breathing and blinking and you're you know no we trust this information you know so trust this and then in terms of really looking at how you're going to manage well during this time and really continue the goal of reaching your optimal health at any age through anything like this type of phase, like you are always, you know, we're always thinking about optimal health during pregnancy, right? You want to be, if you're healthy, baby's healthy, you want to have a healthy delivery, you want to be healthy afterward. But we're not taught that we must safeguard our health at this time and how challenging it can be for women because we feel like, hey, we already did that main thing, which is bring another human being into the world and, you know, keep ourselves going through infancy and sleep deprivation and everything. But this time, it's it can be really, really difficult and challenging and we're not really geared up to number one, acknowledge it. Number two, know what the hell's going on. Number three, figure out how to get support around this time. And so I'm, I'm really grateful that you're bringing this conversation to the fore. Um, today's kind of focus is about estrogen dominance and recognizing that it's happening. One of the reasons, one of the physiological and chemical reasons why is because long before our bodies stop making estrogen, we stop making progesterone. And so if you think that these that every hormone has to stay in balance with all the other hormones, it's really like a tightrope, um, not to freak anybody out, but there's a lot of delicate balance to the equation. So if we're low in progesterone, 
there's an imbalance in progesterone and estrogen and testosterone. And that's why, even if it's just as simple as that, which it rarely is, that's why you will be experiencing estrogen dominance. But a lot of times what happens is because of that, like first, you know, bailout on progesterone, um, cortisol levels rise and melatonin levels reduce and um, insulin resistance starts to become a problem. That's why a lot of people develop metabolic syndrome, you know, prediabetes at this time. It, it can really create a lot of havoc. So rather than just get freaked out about everything that I just said, I, I want to give your audience some ideas around um, estrogen detoxification and clearance. Okay? Okay. So um, water, stay hydrated. Plain water, plain. Don't have to come off of those drops or Splenda. I had a client that detoxed off of um, Sweet and Low, and I've never seen anything like it. I've never worked with crackheads or heroin addicts or people with, I'm not being insensitive, but I have not, you know, worked with people with heavy, heavy drug addictions, but she had all the symptoms of like itchy skin and it was crazy. So plain water, I know I just went off on a little rip there, but um, plain water, plenty of sleep. And then the real benefits of estrogen detoxing come in the form of looking and assessing your cosmetic case, your personal hygiene products right now, and not bringing any undue xenoestrogen into your life, onto your skin, into the biggest... What is bring xenoestrogen? So you're saying xenoestrogen, first of all, I don't, you might, you could tell me what that is. And second, that could be in my makeup? That is in your makeup, generally speaking, unless you're using really, really clean products. So this is a good time to start to transition out of uh, brand name, big brand name cosmetics and start to experiment a little bit with more, uh, with cleaner products. You can just start with your household products, right? If you want to switch from Lysol, for example, which is, has very high xenoestrogen properties and, and work with just some essential oils or some GreenWise products or, um, that's a, a brand name down here, but um, Seventh Generation, that's a great place to start is just working with a company like the Honest Company or um, find some products that you like so that you can reduce your environmental estrogen exposure. So for those of you who know, xenoestrogens are, they mimic uh, biological estrogen. They don't show up on lab work. So you can test for estrogen levels and they can look really really in line but if you've been exposed or you have a lot of xenoestrogen exposure in your life you will be experiencing estrogen dominance and all the things that you just described and you won't be able to clear it so that's where lab testing it's great but it doesn't always tell the whole story so clean up your household products if you're not ready to kind of make some changes in your um, personal products start there and that should help quite a bit. One of the highest xenoestrogenic, stumbling over this word, um, products that we typically use is in fabric softeners. Um, so those that you put in your dryer and fabric softeners, yeah. yeah. Okay, so 
deep hydration, sleep, and clear with the, say it again, the Zeno, Zeno. estrogen. Yeah, it's with the X. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then Z-E-N-O. Uh, X-E-N-O-E-S-T-R-O-G-E-N-S. Zeno, it's pronounced xenoestrogens. So they're in your food supply. They're in, you know, non-organic foods. They're in, to some degree, organic foods. They're everywhere. We have a higher exposure to them now than ever before. Um, and as we age and go through perimenopause, our bodies become um, more burdened with estrogen from inside and outside, we're having trouble detoxifying because we're overloaded. One of the best ways through diet and nutrition to help with estrogen clearance is through fiber-rich foods. And, you know, those come in all different shapes and sizes. And if you can get around 35 grams of fiber in your diet every day through whole fiber foods, not supplements, that should help you quite a bit. Um, and that's going to help skin quality. That's going to help uh, shake out some of that anxiety and some of that, you know, the, the days of rage. It, it'll help with breast tenderness. It should help um, over time. It's not a miracle in the first month, but you will see that it does help. The other thing with uh, bringing in fiber into your diet is not to do that too quickly because you will want my home address and you will meet me at my door like what are you telling me to do so go slowly just um again you know if you're going to start uh, kind of journaling and doing some raised awareness around your health and wellness at this time find a tracker or use a guide something there's so many tools online and um, use some kind of nutritional guide where you can take an assessment of how much dietary fiber you're getting in for a week, you know, magnesium count because magnesium count as a dietary fiber. Because we talked about magnesium last time. If you take too much, you have like no magnesium is not a fiber. No, no, magnesium is a mineral, um, and it's essential in the nervous system, brain health, heart health. It's really, um, you know, a major player in metabolic stabilization. So fiber, it's under the heading of carbohydrates with our macronutrition labels that we have here and that we use with the USDA food pyramid. And um, they are fruits and vegetables, whole grains, legumes, beans, pulses, nuts, and seeds. Okay, so it's plant-based. You're not gonna find fiber in a steak. You won't find it in a really lean piece of chicken. You won't find it in a piece of shrimp or a block of cheese, it's not going to be there. There's a little bit of fiber in dairy, but not enough, you know, not, not enough to make the difference. So this is really where you want to start to look at, you know, what kind of plant foods am I getting in my diet? If you're trying to lose weight or maintain weight balance, uh, which is another, you know, weight gain is another big part of this experience. I that one too. Yeah, I have weight experience. So that, um, you know, when you're looking at fiber, are you going to, if you're trying to either lose weight or maintain your weight, you're probably not going to look at nuts and seeds as your primary source for fiber because they're so high. They're very healthy food, but they're very high in fat. They're high in calorie. So you would look more at lower calorie options like vegetables, you know. Um, so what you would want to do, the way I take my clients through this, is I have them, 
identify how much fiber they're getting and they do a week and they just like mark their fiber and chart it and um, from there they take an average and usually that average is somewhere between the US average is 16 grams and that's for men, women, young, old, black, white, gay, straight, rich, poor, Jewish, Muslim, Christian, 16 grams. Women that are able to successfully clear estrogen and reduce PMS symptoms, reduce risk of breast cancer, hormone-mediated cancer, they're between 35 grams and 70 grams in some countries. But I have found that 35 grams without any like pre-existing issues around breast cancer, for example. Um, I work differently with clients that have had cancer or that are at higher risk of cancer. But if, you know, we're just talking about the average Jane, for example, even though there are no average Janes, but if you don't have a genetic or a predisposed history of breast cancer or risk of, 35 grams should really do you. And you want to go slowly, so you would increase your, let's say you start out at 20 grams of fiber, which is great, that's, that's good. And then you would increase by five grams every four days. So for example, there's I think six grams of fiber in one medium apple, okay? So all you have to do is just add an apple to your diet. You don't have to take anything out, you can just add it. And the beauty of fiber is that when you start to get in that range, it's very easy to start to take things out of your diet that don't really serve you and you know it, you know, alcohol, caffeine, a processed food, so when you start to bring in the healthy things and you're feeling more sated and you're eliminating better and your hormones are able to balance because you're clearing estrogen more effectively and efficiently and frequently, you're not going to have those crazy carb cravings for spaghetti, for, you know, Frito-Lay, my yeah. former boyfriend. So <laughs> to sum it up for everyone, are those your are those the top tips, or would you like to add? We have time for one more. So you have water, uh, stay super hydrated. We have sleep. We have you know our diet and making sure with the fiber. We have eliminating um, in our environments. I can start with the environment, the xeno. Yeah. Estrogen, which sounds pretty important for us. I think that's like a nice call for women who I had no idea to start looking through our products and being like, what outsource, outside environmental things that we can really um, start changing that will show impact in the long run. And then yeah. the fiber rich diet. Is there yeah. anything else, or is that because we do have I one? I think that about covers it. I think that's like a good task list so far. And we started yeah. out with self assessment. So we have a question from Allie. She wants to know, is it normal that the first day of your last period is less than 25 days? So I'm assuming she's asking, she's saying between periods to being less than 25 days. Because usually, you know, they told you, oh, 28 days. That's what I've heard yeah. my whole life. Is there a... So what's... Yeah, I, um, so that's a great question, and thank you for asking. What is considered the, within the parameters and the ranges of normal are 24 to 32 days, with the average being 28. If this is starting to change for you, if you are a 28-day cycle girl and all of a sudden you're a 24-cycle girl, that's a different story. Um, try this, you know, then this is 
definitely a change in um, ovulatory process and estrogen dominance is likely responsible for that. So try these things. I would definitely start with fiber. I mean, the xenoestrogen call to action that is ongoing, it's a tall order. A lot of times people have never even heard that there are um, chemical estrogens that mimic in our body biological estrogen. So this is a first time for a lot of people hearing this. And first time, and I've taught you a lot, and this is the first time. You get more um, freaked out, and you're like, oh, God. Like, no, oh. I mean, it's good to know. If it's like a simple little change in a lifestyle that will, in the long run, make me not be on the brink of wanting, you know, to kill people when I'm almost getting my period, yes. then I'll be like, hey, I want to help out the yeah. world. I'm a meat person. I'm not a meat <laughs> person. So like, I want to do this for society's sake. And then I would suggest starting just starting if there's a product in your house that you know is just really, you know, kind of on the brink of being toxic for your kids, for your pets, for your d bird in particular. If you can't use it for your bird, don't use it for yourself. That's my and like, you know, so start with that. Start start small on that. Um, assess your fiber first, figure out how much you're getting. And then the goal is to go to 35. So take a couple weeks going with five more grams. Take another couple weeks going a, a few extra grams. Don't go too quickly with that because you'll just have a lot of cramps and you'll be constipated and you won't feel good. Um, mm -hmm. So go slow. It's sl slow and steady. Got it. So then ultimately for, like, for example, with me, how I'm estrogen overload is what I'm calling it, I'm high estrogen, that it will start balancing out between ultimately that's the goal, the estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. testosterone right, so those three, yeah. so adding this in will start to uh, decrease. Adding it in will help normalize some of your, not, that's not the right word, it will help enhance the production of progesterone because there's a lot of um, progesterone producing foods that are high fiber foods. But think about you know what fiber does is it cleans out the gut, it cleans out the system, it helps um, restore healthy gut bacteria. 80% of our immune system is located in the gut. And guess what? So are all those microbes, all those toxins like estrogen that just gets stuck there and then um, will start to hang out and uh, metabolize in fat tissue in the breast and collect in the buttocks and the thighs and the gut. Yeah, so just it's going to help your whole body just detox and clean itself out and stabilize. Great. I hope that was clear. Yeah, no, thank you. I'm going to start this and I, I encourage everyone who's listening to pick fiber and give it a shot and, you know, do your self-assessment and come back to us in a month and let us know how it's yeah. going. Because Betsy and I, we're going to continue to do this. I feel like health and especially around this topic for women is incredibly important to have this type of conversation and bring it to the forefront. And I'm more than happy to share my own personal experiences. Um, I'm not shy about it. And it just, just talking about it, look at all the free help that she gives out and she just gave me. So I will start with my fiber.
and uh, looking into some of my products. I'm just really curious about that because that was something that I had no idea. So thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you. Everyone, please go follow uh, Betsy Cox Health at Betsy Cox Health. Allie, you're welcome. Anytime you need some, oh. Allie and I have some period stories of our own. Ah! I just put it out there again, Allie. <laughs> Allie was on episode number one of Beyond Small Talk, and we shared our period story. So if you're curious, go back and watch. It was kind of hysterical. But Betsy and I will continue to do this and share these uh, tips and tools for everyone around women's health. Thank you so much, yeah. Betsy. Thank you. You're welcome, Jackie. If anybody has any questions, just uh, DM, you know, just reach out, and I'd be happy to answer them. Take the week to figure out how much you're – your fiber features in your diet and variety is key. Don't just stick with one. Don't get a supplement. Get it through your food, and that's how you'll get the most benefit. So any questions, just let me know. Thank you yeah. for having me. Questions here. Follow at Betsy Cox Health and DM her with anything that you have. She's a wealth of information. Thank you so much, yeah. Betsy. See you all soon, ladies. Next week, Beyond Small Talk, 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Bye. Bye, Jackie. Thank you. Bye, everybody.